You are listening to a message by Travis Scott from our gatherings at Shorebreak. Visit shorebreakchurch.com to get connected with more content. And if you would like to support the gospel being preached in Kona and to thousands online, your tax-deductible donation enables us to further Jesus' mission. Partner with us by giving at shorebreakchurch.com backslash give. Mahalo. Well, aloha. Pe'oi. Ah, my ka ino, hano hano ikeakua, aloha keakua ioi. I'm just glad to be here. Are you glad to be here this morning? Are you looking forward to worshiping him this morning in spirit and in truth? What a joy it is to be here at Shorebreak to see what God is doing, to see how God is using you and his reputation, not yours. But his reputation is being spread throughout the islands. God is using you in a great way. And what a privilege and joy it is for Robin, my wife, and I to come and just to see firsthand if the reports are true. And indeed, they are. We have been warmly welcomed this morning. What a privilege it is to just worship him this morning with you. And let's dig into the word. Before we do, let's pray one more time. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing here at Shorebreak. Thank you, Lord, for Pastor Travis, Juliet, their family, for the staff and the leaders here, for the deacons, for those that are faithfully serving even now in the children's ministry. Thank you, Lord. The greatest ability is availability, and you are using them because they're available to you. For your honor and your glory, we give thanks, Lord, for what you are doing, and we look forward with great anticipation to what you will be doing in the coming days right here through this fellowship, not only impacting Kailua Kona, the big island, not only the neighbor islands, but to the uttermost parts of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, Pastor Travis mentioned that uh, next month, in fact, in less than three weeks, my wife and I are going to Iraq. Well, actually, she has invited me to come with her to Iraq. She is an amazing woman. She has served uh, not only deep in the jungles of Thailand, uh, but also way high up just a few months ago in the Himalaya Mountains, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ up over 14,000 feet and to prepare for traveling to these mountains in the Himalayas where she has been working for over nine years. We start at sea level where we live in Maui and we put our toes in the water in the ocean and we hike up to the summit of Haleakala, which isn't as big as Mauna Kea or Mauna Loa. It's only about 10,000 feet, but it's a nice little walk nonetheless. And that's how we train to get ready to go to the Himalayas. We would like to invite you, if you're interested in joining us, we'll be leaving right after church on Easter Sunday. Be here at church, be here at Shorebreak Easter Sunday, and then you can join us as we leave that evening for Iraq to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. A wonderful team of physicians are traveling with us, and uh, we'll be going to the northern area of Iraq. You may have heard of Kurdistan, the Kurds that received that, that they, they were the ones that were targeted with the terrible, terrible poisonous gas of several years ago, and thousands of them were exterminated with this poisonous gas attack, the greatest attack by poisonous gas 
anywhere in the world since World War I. Of the four million, two million of them are refugees, and yet they are wide open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They love Americans, and so we'd like to invite you to come with us to Iraq next month. If you can't join us in Iraq next month, then I would like to enjoin you, encourage you to join with Pastor Travis, Juliet, Robin, and I, and a few others, as we will be going to Israel to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ in November of 2015. Robin has flyers on both of these mission events coming up. You're warmly invited to join us. We'll be working with the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, that's Israeli Army, as we go to the southernmost part of Israel, a village there, a little bit smaller than Kona, but a small town, and it's called Sardot, right on the edge of the Gaza Strip. And this area is the part of Israel that has been hit with, been hit with more rockets and more uh, mortars than any other place in all of Israel, and that's where we're going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you can see that I take my wife nothing but to the most romantic, tranquil spots of the world. We go to Iraq for Easter, we go to southern Israel in about a year and a half, and we'd like to invite you to join us. And you know what? God has been faithful over the years. We've worked in war zones and refugee camps. This is what I've done my whole life. And uh, when I met my wife, I had just returned from living with a tribe of cannibals in the South Pacific. And um, so she invited me over to a dinner party at her home with a group of people. And uh, the, may, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Is that right? And after living with a tribe of cannibals in the jungle for five years, her cooking looked really, really good. And the rest is history. And now we're married and serving around the world together. So God has great plans for you. And he will not let the enemy harm you in any way if you're in his perfect will. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. That is for sure. It's a promise from his word. Well, I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Old Testament, to the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel comes after 1 Samuel. And uh, so we're going to be taking a look at 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning in verse 20. 2 Samuel chapter 23 beginning in verse 20. 2 Samuel, chapter 23, beginning in verse 20. We're just going to read three verses this morning, and the Bible says, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kebzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab, He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in time of snow. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, and the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. Well, thank you very much, David, for those encouraging words. I'm ready to go home right now. You know, just before we dig into these verses of Scripture, I'd like to go back in time, back exactly 34 years ago this month, when I had been invited to speak at a conference in Amsterdam, Holland. I'd received the invitation from Billy Graham. I'd never met Billy Graham But he was there. He was the keynote speaker. There were a number of speakers, and I was just one of the little guys in one of the little seminars. But 
he invited a few of us for lunch one afternoon. I'd never met him. And so 34 years ago this month, around a small round table, we had lunch with Dr. Billy Graham. And he shared with us around that lunch table, and this is a way of a lengthy introduction into our text this morning, 10 keys for effective evangelism. And I thought, well, there's no one better qualified than Billy Graham to share 10 keys for effective evangelism. And so I listened carefully, and I took notes at that round table there in Amsterdam on that uh, morning. And the first message, or the first point that he said, was number one, always keep a level head. Many of you here are here this morning because you love Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Many of you are training to go wherever he would have you go and do whatever he, would, whatever he would have you to do to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's never been a more strategic time in all of history to be involved in missions than today. Whether that mission is across the street or whether that mission is around the world, there's never been a more needy time. And he said, always keep a level head. In other words, do not let what you can't do interfere with what you can do. I'm recall, I'm reminded of the story of, of, of um, well, uh, not a story, a, a true uh, event. In 1974, when I had just returned from driving a bread truck, you know, one of these uh, step vans, you know, anyway, we cut some holes in the step vans, put some windows in, bolted down some, some bus seats, and we drove that bread truck from Seattle, Washington, to Central America and back, all the way down to Honduras and back. It took two weeks to drive down, two weeks to drive back, and we had a two-week mission uh, there in Honduras. It was quite an adventure, a lot of stories to tell. It was a great, great trip with college students. And uh, we had just returned back and been home about a month and a half when a terrible tragedy hit Honduras. Hurricane Fifi, one of the largest uh, hurricanes to ever hit Central America, hit right where we were. About 10,000 people lost their lives. And the other leader of the mission called me up and he said, David, are you ready to go? And I said, you meet me at the airport. And this was in San Jose, California, where I was at the time. He said, you meet me at the airport and we'll be on our way. I had no idea how we were going to get down there. I had no idea how we were going to get a plane. Besides that, it wasn't a commercial uh, airport. It was just a little a little dirt strip in the in the in a jungle area there in, in central Honduras. And uh, so I climbed over the fence. This was long before 9-11 and before security was so, so tight. And I saw some planes that looked like they might fly to Central America from San Jose, California, and uh, climbed up on some of the wings of the planes and uh, noted some of the, some of the information, uh, everything I could, and, and, and ended up calling a few people that owned a few planes. And finally, in the late, late, late in the, in the evening, uh, reached the owner of one of these planes, a DC-3. A DC-3 is a workhorse of a plane, two big props and a tail dragger, and could put a lot of gear and a lot of supplies in, in that plane. Called the owner of the plane up that night and said, um, Sir, I believe that God would have you fly your plane to Honduras. And he said, I don't know how you got my name and my number is unlisted. I don't appreciate crank calls in the middle of the night. And he hung up. Oh, before he hung up, he said, even if I would fly that plane, that, it, it, that plane won't fly to Africa. It's impossible. It can't fly across the ocean. He hung up. I called him right back and I said, sir, Honduras is not in Africa. 
It's just uh, <laughs> south of Mexico. And to make a long story short, within hours, that plane was in the air, filled with medical supplies, with physicians, Stanford Hospital, uh, donated thousands and thousands of dollars worth of medical supplies. One of the local banks opened up uh, their bank on Saturday, which was unheard of at that time for people to give donations. We were on the way and uh, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ right when we landed in 1974. A lot of stories to tell about that mission, but on the way back, uh, we got together as a group of men and uh, uh, I wasn't very old at that time, 1974, and a Christian emergency relief organization was formed, and it's still functioning around the world today. So keep a level head. Don't let what you can't do interfere with what you can do. You are all tremendously talented and gifted by God, and use those talents, use those gifts. We serve a big God. Number two, he said, always keep. A warm heart. So number one, Billy Graham said, always keep a level head. Number two, he said, always keep a warm heart. There's a young man by the name of Dave uh, who was uh, terribly wounded when he was serving in the Marine Corps in Vietnam in, the, uh, in, in 1967. And uh, he lost his face. He was alive, but his face was gone. He was terribly, terribly wounded. He had been married Six weeks, that was it, before he was sent to Vietnam. He had a beautiful bride. He had a promising future. And it was amazing that his life wasn't lost. Uh, He went through emergency surgery in Germany and eventually made his way back home to the United States. Uh, And he went through more emergency surgery and reconstruction of his face. And it was just, he was just, it was just terrible what, what happened. The tragedy was terrible. But what he was concerned about more than anything is what his wife would say to him when she saw him. After all, he had been married only six weeks. She was a beautiful, beautiful young lady. And uh, he was a rather handsome guy. And when she came into the hospital, she had to be pointed, it had to be pointed out to her who her husband was. She was completely unrecognizable. And when she saw him, he, it was grotesque. His face was absolutely grotesque. And she looked him in the eye, and she said, Welcome home, Davy. I love you. And he broke down and cried and cried and cried. A book was later written about his heroic deeds in Vietnam and about their strong marriage. And he said, determination kept me alive, but it took love to heal my wounds. And she loved him unconditionally. And together they served the Lord for many, many, many years. Billy Graham said, not only always keep a level head, but always keep a warm heart. Number three, he said in Amsterdam that day, always keep a friendly spirit. Always keep a friendly spirit. What you are is God's gift to you. What you make of yourself is your gift to God. He has gifted each one of you. I speak as an old man, as a grandfather, and I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. He has gifted each one of you. He designed the shape of your nose. He designed the color of your eyes. He designed the shape of your ears. He knows exactly the placement of each piece of each follicle of hair on your head. He designed those cells so that you would mature 
at just the time that you matured. You'll grow old just the time that he decides, and you will die. Because the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. He has a perfect plan for your life. He loves you so very, very much. What you are is God's gift to you. What you make of yourself is your gift to God. You have a choice. You can serve him or you can serve yourself. He wants the best for your life, and he wants the best for your relationship with others. Dr. Ed Wheat, seller of a best, uh, the author of a best-selling book entitled Love Life for Every Married Couple. I met with him before he passed away in Arkansas. And I highly recommend this book for singles as well as marrieds. And he said, basically, God wants nothing less than the best for your life. B-E-S-T. And that is right from the Word of God. B stands for blessing. E stands for edification. S stands for sharing. And T stands for touching. B-E-S-T. He wants the best for those of you that are married. He wants the best. That's our God. That's our loving Heavenly Father. He wants nothing less than the best for you. If we work backwards, T for touching. For a number of years, I taught in Honolulu at the University of Hawaii in the School of Communication, and one of my favorite topics was nonverbal communication. 85% of all human communication is nonverbal. It's not only what you say, but it's how you say what you say. And we all are, we all are students of nonverbal communication. When we go to the airport, we all do. We like to watch people at the airport, don't we? Of course, they're watching us, but we like to watch them as well. 85% is nonverbal, not just touching, not just the pat on the back, the handshake, the kiss, that type of thing, but it's the tone of our voice. And God wants to be well-pleased. Keep a friendly spirit, Billy Graham said. It's not just what we say, but how we say what we say. B-E-S-T, T for touching, B for, edi- B for blessing, E for edification, S for sharing, and T for touching, sorry. S stands for sharing. Share together with your spouse for those of you that are married. If you're not married, if you're single, share together with a brother or a sister. It's not enough just to come to church. If I were Satan, I would have all Christians in church 24-7, all day, every day. That way they'd be in a box and the light would be trapped in the box and it would never get out into the community. So share with one another. Share in the community. Be involved, be engaged with each other. E for edification. This comes from the word edifice, which means to build up. And after teaching for years in my master's degree and my doctoral studies in human communication, I've come to the conclusion that words are mystical. Words have power. I can't explain it. I can't describe it. But the Bible says, by man's, word shall be, he, by man's word shall he be justified. By man's word shall he be condemned. And our words have the power to build up or to tear down. Jesus is the word made flesh. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Your words, they have power. For those of you that are married, tell your spouse how wonderful they are. Tell them how beautiful they are. Tell them how gifted they are. And they will become more wonderful. They will become more beautiful. They will become more gifted. And your marriage will become more blessed. It works. It's a principle from God's Word. Build up one another. Edify one another. B-E-S-T. 
blessing, edification, sharing, and touching. Be for blessing. Bless one another. And that's simply praying for one another. Let your friend, if you're single, let your friend hear you praying for him or for her. Let your spouse, if you're married, hear you praying out loud for him or for her. Robin and I love to walk together and pray together. We've, uh, do we take short walks? We've done marath- the marathon after Robin's birthday, her 50th birthday one year. We did the Honolulu Marathon together, 26.2 miles. We walked the whole way. It was great, and we prayed together and held hands together the whole way. You don't have to do a marathon. You could just walk around the block. You could walk down the beach. You could walk up in the hills, but pray together. Walk and pray. Bless one another. Number four, he said, be sure of your own salvation. Only he who can see the invisible can do the impossible. Are you sure of your own salvation? If you're not sure of your own salvation, you can be sure by the end of the service this morning. You can be sure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And once that name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, it will never be erased. Don't let the enemy fool you one ounce there. Just as we cannot be unborn physically, we cannot be unborn spiritually. Oh, we'll sin. There's no question about that. I do each and every day. I'm not proud of that. But the blood of Jesus forgives me each and every day. It's called grace and it's called mercy. Be sure of your own salvation. It's not by going to church. It's not by being baptized. It's by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Oh, we need to be in church. And if you love the Lord, you will be baptized. But that's not going to save you. It's by asking Jesus Christ into your heart, repenting, turning from your old ways, and living a new life empowered by his Holy Spirit. Number five, Billy Graham said, never fight back or hold a grudge. You know, it's been said, you don't build a marble tower out of mud and manure. When you're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not through intellectual debate. It's not by proving that uh, it's a 24-hour theory of creation or that the flood was indeed universal. Those are not the issues. The issue is what Jesus has done for you. That cannot be argued No one in the world, no matter how brilliant, no matter how educated, no one in the world can argue your own personal testimony. Share with others the difference that Jesus Christ has made in your life. That cannot be argued. Other things can be. Other things can be debated. They have been and they will be. But they cannot argue the difference that Jesus Christ has made in your life. Number six. Avoid sensationalism. Focus on Jesus. Focus on the giver of the gifts, not on the gifts. It's not health and wealth. It is forgiveness and a new life in in him. Focus on Jesus when you're sharing your faith with others. I'm reminded of a statue in Central America. No, it's not that big statue in Rio de Janeiro of Christ with his arms outstretched. No, it's a much, much smaller statue in Guatemala. And if I were to take you there, as I've taken other teams, and we were to go through the jungle and the little slippery, muddy trail to that statue of Jesus, it's not very big. You'll see that that statue is different than maybe any other statue you've ever seen of our Lord. 
It's not particularly spectacular in any way except one noticeable feature. It, it seems as there's no face, no facial features, no eyes, no nose, no cheeks, no lips, without a face. Ah, but there is a, a small plaque at the base of the statue, and it reads in Spanish, but I'll say it in English, if you want to see the face of Jesus, you must kneel at his feet. And first time I was there, I looked around, make sure nobody was looking. I didn't want to be a fool and walked up and I knelt down at the foot of that statue, just a statue, and I looked up and, and, and sure enough, sure enough, there was the face, the nose, the eyes, the lips, ever clear. Was it miraculous? No, it wasn't miraculous. It was just that the sculpture had carved the face in such a way, in such fine relief, that the features could only be seen by kneeling down at the foot of that statue and looking up. And if you want to see the face of Jesus, kneel at his feet, not at anyone else's feet. Avoid sensationalism. Number seven, preach the word. Missions is the basis of the Bible, and the Bible is the basis of missions. Never forget that. It's not about the red, white, and blue. It's not about the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. It's not about Shorebreak Church. It's not about any denomination or any personality. It's not about Pastor Travis. It's Jesus Christ. Preach the word. Number eight, have your daily devotional life. You've got to get into the Word of God, and then the Word of God will get into you. There is no substitute, my friend. There's no substitute. Now, I brushed my teeth before I came to to church this morning, and I took a shower before I came to church this morning. And, you know, you might say, well, David, that's you didn't need to do that. You didn't need to brush your teeth before you came to church. You didn't need to take a shower. After all, didn't you brush your teeth and take a shower last month? Yeah, I did last month. But I need to bathe daily. It's something I need to do. And I need to get in the Word daily to be washed by the water of the Word. And the water of the Word is the Word of God. We need it. It's just something we have to do. Have your daily devotion life. Number nine, be sure of your calling. Be sure of your calling. When faced with what you don't understand, fall back on what you do understand. You want to know how to know God's will for your life? Do what you know, and you'll know what to do. Simple as that. Be sure of your calling. The Bible says love one another. Well, that's God's will for your life. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemy. Love one another. Rejoice evermore. The Bible says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That means give thanks for everything. All in the Greek means all. Pray without ceasing. That's what the Bible says. Just simply pray. Keep praying. Be sure of your calling. Number 10. Now we're going to get into our text this morning. (laughs) Number 10. Keep your chin up and your knees down. Keep your chin up and your knees down. So there you go. For those of you that have taken notes, you know uh, what I learned 34 years ago when I had lunch around that little table with Dr. Billy Graham. I wrote it in my Bible, and I've tried to practice these principles ever since. And uh, you know what? They work. 
But let's take a look this morning at the final one. Keep your chin up and your knees down. As we read in our text this morning in verse 20, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, verse 20 of 2 Samuel chapter 23, 2 Samuel 23, verse 20. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kebzeel, who had, been, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. Notice that Benaiah had a godly father. He was a son of Jehoiada. The Bible calls Jehoiada a valiant man. For those of you that are fathers, your greatest ministry, apart from your ministry to, you, to, to your wife, will be to your children. That is number one. He had been schooled at home. I was blessed with a godly father. He was a banker all of his life. Came back home after World War II, started sweeping floors in a local bank, worked his way up to become a teller, worked his way up to become the manager, worked his way up to become the vice president, worked his way up to become the president, worked his way up to become the president of a bigger bank, and then worked his way up to become the president of the American Bankers Association. He was a good man. He was a hardworking man. He was not a preacher. He wasn't an evangelist, but he was faithful in what he did. And at his memorial service, there were scores of people that stood up and said that they were Christians because of the example of my dad in being faithful at work. Are you faithful at work? Wherever God's called you to be, working, whether that is in construction, education, law enforcement, whatever it might be, Maybe staying at home with the kids. Are you faithful? Are you doing that job faithful? He was schooled at home. He was a son of a valiant man. The Bible says in that same verse that he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went also. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in the time of snow. So here we see before the lion shows up, Two lion-like men show up. Now, the devil is called those, that one that goes about the earth as a roaring lion. He is not the lion. He wants to be the lion, but he is not. Jesus Christ is the lion from the tribe of Judah. Satan is the great counterfeiter, and he is not omniscient. Only God is omniscient. Satan does not know what you're thinking about. Only God knows what you're thinking about. Satan is not all-powerful. Only God is all-powerful. Satan doesn't know what's going on in your mind, but he wants to fool you. He wants to think he knows what's going on in your mind. He doesn't. And so you notice here that these two lion-like men of Moab came down to him, and they attacked him, but he defeated him. And because you are Christians, because you have the power of the Holy Spirit, the light always overcomes the darkness, always, always, always. And if you've ever been in one of these deep, dark caves, like in Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico or one of the lava tunnels here in the Big Island, wherever you've been and they turn off the lights and it's utterly pitch black, completely black, and even after five minutes or ten minutes, a long time of being in that darkness, your eyes still can't adjust. You can't see your fa- hand in front of your face no matter how hard you try. And then somebody lights just a little match, a little pen light. And that light is like blinding. The light, no matter how small it is, 
always, always, always overcomes the darkness. And you have that light in you if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. All around the neighborhood and all around the world, I'm going to let it shine. You remember that song. And you know, Satan can't blow it out because he doesn't have the power to. You have the light. And so these men came. He struggled with them. He learned that he was more powerful than them because of the schooling he received at home by his godly father. You say, David, I don't have a godly father. I don't even remember who my father is. My father was a loser. And that's why I'm here today. Well, you have a loving heavenly father, the Bible says, who knows you by name. He knows each tear that falls, and he knows you when you call, and he loves you so very, very much. And you can call on him at any time, and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And sure enough, it was not long after that that we read in verse 20 that it, the snow came. You know, it's been said, if life, is a bowl of if life is a bowl of cherries, what am I doing in the pits? And that's the way life is sometimes, isn't it? It was the title of a best-selling, bestseller book by Emma Brombeck, as I recall, many years ago. And for those of you that think the Christian life is easy, uh, <laughs> you know by now it's not. It's not. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, things don't get easier. They get tougher. Life gets harder. And life does not get fair. It gets more unfair, doesn't it? But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the Bible says it's not your struggle anymore. The Bible says, set yourself apart. Stand ye still. The battle is not yours. It's mine, saith the Lord God of hosts. He is going to work through you. Even during the time of snow. And that's when the Egyptian showed up with his spear. You know, maybe you find yourself in the pit this morning. That slippery, slimy, muddy pit. And the snow comes. And that which once burned so bright and clear, that which was once so warm in your life, your prayer life, your devotional life, your walk with others, your walk with the Lord, it's now cold. That relationship has grown cold, maybe in the church, maybe with family member, maybe in your own devotional life, maybe your prayer life. It just is empty, it's shallow, it's cold. Don't give up. Hang in there. Because the winters are always followed by the spring. And we go through winters in our life. We go through times when our prayers, it seems like they're not getting any higher than the ceiling. That's been true in my life, and it will be true in your life if you haven't faced it yet. It will come. And you'll open the Bible and you'll say, what? I just read the same verse five times in a row, and I have no idea what I just read. I've been praying. I don't see any answers to my prayer. Hang in there. And during that time of snow, when your devotional life seems cold, when the worship seems you're just going through the motions, during that time of your life, be ready because now the lion's going to come. The enemy is going to come. The Egyptians said, the Bible says in verse 21, he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. That means he was a big man. And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a staff, and he plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and he slew him with his own spear. You remember the staff? David said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The staff 
speaks about the word. The spear speaks about prayer. And the Bible says that when the enemy came, this big, giant Egyptian warrior, this great big guy, comes against Benaiah, and he was down in a mud pit in the time of snow. It was not a great experience. It was not a happy time in his life. And then this Egyptian raises up his spear to slay Benaiah, to kill him. The Bible says that Benaiah grabbed that spear, took it away, and slew the Egyptian with his own spear. The enemy's going to come and try to slay you. And he's going to accuse you. He's going to say, what about this thought that you had this past week? What about those words that you said yesterday? What about that action that you took last month? What about that decision that you made last year or the year before that or a decade before that? And what a loser you are. Who are you to call yourself a Christian? You are a loser. You are a hypocrite. You are a sinner. And you know the neat thing about that? Is you can take that spear and you can say, Satan, you are exactly right. I am a loser. I am a hypocrite. I did that. I thought that. I said that. I behaved that way. And that's why my Lord and Savior went to the cross. And that's why he willingly hung on that cross. And that's why he willingly took that spear in his side. And that's why he took those nails in his hands. Because of my sin. Because of what I thought. Because of what I said. Because of what I did. And you know what? He's nailed right then and there. The battle is over. End of story. It's done. It's finished. You come to him with the staff. You come to him with the promises from his word. And you nail him with his own spear. The Bible says he went down to him with the staff, plucked out the spear from the Egyptian's hand, and slew him with his own spear. You want to be victorious? We all do. You want to have success? We all do. If you've forgotten these 10 keys to effective evangelism from Billy Graham, that's okay. But just remember that the answer is right here in the Word. And even though we've examined just a couple of verses of Scripture this morning, remember that He wants to use you in a mighty way. Because the Bible says that people that know their God will be firm and durable. They'll do bold deeds and daring acts. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in Jesus. And he's got great things in store for you. So I'd like to encourage you to join us in Iraq next month. (laughs) I know most of you can't, but November 2015, come with Pastor Travis, Juliet, Robin and myself, when we go to Israel to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we go to Petra, Jordan, and put the Bibles under the rocks, where in the last days the Jews are going to go down that Jordan Rift Valley, and they're going to hang out there, and they're going to take refuge in that city. Maybe you've seen it on Indiana Jones, one of his films, and you'll be able to ride those camels or ride those horses right where he did. It's pretty cool. And you'll be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and see Israel in a way that... uh, Your life will never be the same. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
You say, David, I never heard of this guy, Benaiah. He's just a minor character in the Old Testament. It's not about Benaiah. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And he took that spear for you. We deserve it. I know I sure do. Boy, I do big time. Big time. When Satan came to me at my life, when I was in the pit during the time of snow in a cold, cold season of my life, he was telling the truth. He was absolutely right. I was a loser, a big-time loser, and a sinner. And I still am, but I'm forgiven because of what he has done. It's not about me. It's all about him. So share these truths with others as you go forth this week. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're not sure that your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, if you feel you're in that pit this morning during the time of slow, that slippery, slippery pit, if life is a bowl of cherries, then what am I supposed to be living the, living the dream in Hawaii? What am I doing in the pits? You don't need to be there anymore. He wants to come and rescue you and set you free. And I'd love to talk with you, pray with you. Tra- Pastor Travis, any one of the church leaders would love to talk with you and pray with you. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible. I'd love to share with you how you can be sure. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these men and women. Thank you, Lord, for your promises which are true. Thank you, Father, that it's not about us. Thank you, Father, that even though we may feel like we're in a pit during the time of snow, when our relationships are cold, when the Bible doesn't seem to be really talking to us, when our prayers don't seem to be getting beyond the ceiling, thank you that you're there. And thank you that even though the enemy will come with lies, the enemy will come with accusations, the enemy will remind us of our sins, we thank you, Father, that you paid the price on the cross and that we can experience life and life more abundantly. Father, I ask your blessing on Shorebreak. I ask your blessing on each and every one of the families represented here this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would use this fellowship in a great way to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message that changes lives, that changes outlooks, that changes relationships. Thank you, Father, you want nothing less than the best for this fellowship, for the marriages here, for those that are single here. Father, you want nothing less than the best for them as they seek you, as they draw close to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, if you maybe are not certain, I would encourage you, please, to see Pastor Travis, to see me at the door. We would love to pray with you. Today is the day to ask Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. If you're looking for a church home, Well, I don't know of any better church home in this part of the Big Island than right here at Shorebreak. Get plugged in. God's doing a great work right here. You will not be disappointed. You'll not be discouraged because it's not about any people. It's not about Pastor Travis. It's all about Jesus. And you'll find a vibrant fellowship here. You'll find that you'll be challenged. You'll be loved. You'll be appreciated. You'll be respected. And you'll find that God is going to use you in ways that you never dreamt possible before. Our prayer for you, for this church, for this fellowship, is that God would use you in ways that you've never, ever imagined.
that you've never dreamed possible. Our prayer for you is that those of you that are married would experience a freshness, a vitality, a renewal in your marriage that you've never, ever dreamed of, higher than your highest expectations than when you went down the aisle that day. For those of you that are single, that you would not settle for second best, that you would not be searching for that soulmate, but rather you would be fixing your eyes on Jesus and say, Lord, I know you have nothing less than the best for me. I know that. For those of you that are uncertain about the future, you can find peace that passes all understanding as you come to him this morning. So God bless you. We'll look forward to seeing you in the future, whether it be here, whether it be in Iraq, whether it be in Israel, whether it be in Nepal, wherever it is. Life is nothing less than amazing as we walk with Jesus. God bless you and aloha. We hope that Jesus is doing a work in your life from the message that you just heard. We would love to hear how you were impacted and what was impressed on your heart. Share your story by emailing connect at shorebreakchurch.com. And if you don't know Jesus as God, Lord and Savior, or you have more questions, send us an email to info at shorebreakchurch.com so we can get you dialed in with a free Bible and resources for your new relationship with Jesus.